Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. My name is Christina Kerr, I'm the content manager at Spotlight, and today we're talking with the ensemble-led theatre company, The Pappy Show. We're joined by Kane Husbands, Sam Hardy, Eddie Joe Robinson, Aaron Gordon, and Ursula Moen. The Pappy Show talked to us about their collaborative and therapeutic method of creating theatre, how they tackle big subjects in their work, and they give a whole host of great advice to other potential theatre makers. Take a listen. Kane, Sam, Eddie, Aaron, Ursula, welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. Thank you. Thank you all for coming in. I know you've got a wickedly busy schedule right now. You're preparing not for one, not for two, but for three shows at the vault. Can we start with you, Kane? I want to know a little bit about the Pappy Show. We've obviously featured you guys on the site before, but can you tell us a bit about like what you're about and how the Pappy Show came about? Yeah, so we started in uh, 2012. Um, and I went to the Caribbean, which is where uh, one half of my family are from. Um, and it was this word that they just kept using, uh, Papi Show. And it means silliness and playfulness. And whilst I was over there, I was like, I'm going to come back to the UK and I'm going to get some friends in a room and maybe we'll just play some games. And we came back and we, I started that group. Um, and six years later, I can't even believe that we're still going. Um, and it just started from about trying to find a room where we could play around. Um, and get some joy kind of in the space Um, and we run workshops and we really focus in on training and we make shows and I guess the key thing with the work that we make is we're only ever playing ourselves Um, so it's you being you uh, playing games and doing exercises uh, and I think that's what makes our work quite captivating. Yeah, really unique kind of style that you've got. That's your ethos, that it's you being you, which I really loved um, because I've seen your show Boys. So I got to see that last year at The Vault and you're doing it again. You've had a couple of runs of this show. Um, Can you talk me through a little bit about where this idea came about? How did you settle on Boys and Girls and Care? Um, So Boys was, I guess it was quite rooted in my own experience of growing up um, and also my experience of working with groups of men. Um, and I started to feel that um, there were some things that maybe we learned as young men um, that carried into our adulthood and maybe that I wasn't necessarily seeing that expressed in the wider media or on TV or in film or in theatre. And I wanted to know what groups of um, minority ethnicity men are like and why we're only seeing kind of one narrative of what they're like. So I wanted to show many aspects to them. So we focused on playfulness and joyfulness. And you do see many other shades of what their experience is. But we put 10 men of colour on stage and you see how they are with one another. And they tell stories and they dance together and they move together. Um, And it's a really beautiful, joyful show. Uh, But really, it just came from my experience of growing up and going, what are those things I learned growing up? And what were my friends like? And why aren't I seeing that reflected back? or represented in the arts at the minute. So we started with boys, and we always knew we'd do uh, a boys and a girls show. So whilst we were making boys, we were developing girls, and girls started to be slightly different, and we decided to look for a wider range of um, life experience. Um, So we've got um, uh, grandmothers, we've got mothers in the room, we've got grandchildren in the room, and we show um, the lives of women from many different ages yeah Um, and you really see nine women up there kind of telling their lived experience but from different generations Um, and I guess from the research that we've been doing 
that's how we've learned. My mum surrounded herself with women who were younger and older than her, and that's how she got taught to be a woman. So we right. thought, let's show that. Let's put that on the stage and let's see how an intergenerational cast can can um, can be with one another. And it's so rare that I see someone who's old enough to be my grandma as the same age as someone who's young enough to be my daughter right. on the stage moving together. I never yeah. see that. That's really right. And diversity plays a huge part of what you guys do, which I'll yeah. come to in a minute. I want to kind of not into the process of doing those other two shows. And Sam and Eddie, you guys are also assistant directors on those projects. How did you get to be involved? What does it look like when you actually start a Pappy show show? What is that process? Um, it is uh, different, I would say. It's uh, unusual in the sense that we, the idea of sitting down with a, with a script day one is kind of completely alien. Um, yeah. And so I think sometimes maybe people turn up and they expect like oh we're gonna have like a bit of a set set narrative and i'm gonna have a uh, a part and blah, blah blah it's kind of not really like that at all so it kind of all comes through play and then we really talk about what themes we want to discuss in the play so for example with boys we go okay well what are the different aspects of our manhood that we have um and we, we've spoken a lot about colours in the past, so we kind of go, okay, what, what, this, this aspect of, of, of our masculinity, of our manhood, so, for example, um, anger, what, 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 what does that look like? What, what colour do we associate that with? And we go, okay, that is definitely um, an aspect of manhood that we want to see in this show. So we're going to put it in there somewhere, that set. We might not fully know how that's going to look and materialise on stage, but we know that we want that feeling and that essence within the piece. Um, and then we kind of patch it together um, with that really and going what are the different shades that we want to explore this overall theme that we've got here whether it being masculinity or femininity or uh, care within within uh, the NHS so mm. yeah yeah I would maybe just add that um, yeah much like Eddie and Kane have said um, about play and actually if you were to enter um, our rehearsal room Maybe sometimes it wouldn't <laughs> look like we're doing much work because there, because <laughs> because there's so much laughter and joy and um, real like game playing. Uh, so yeah, maybe if you were to enter a rehearsal room, you'd be like, "Are they actually what is this?" Um, and yeah, and, and uh, having been in the rehearsal process um, for girls and care. Um, it's just extraordinary to watch a room that are really relying on and telling their lived experience. And, you know, you really feel as a as two ensembles, one minute you're laughing and then the next you're crying. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, four of you are performing in these shows as well. What is it that attracts you to that particular kind of process as performers? that way of devising a show? Well, it, it's actually quite freeing, in a right. way, to to start from a uh, from your own experiences and take them further and further and develop with other people. And uh, it's refreshing and exciting. Scary, also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but really nice, because actually the, I'm only in girls and I've done a couple of workshops with the girls. And it's so easy, the process, which is, which is lovely. 
it's brave as well, you know, which makes it... Uh, I mean, I've been around a long time and I've done all sorts of things. I really have. And so it's not unusual for me to have started, done an improvisational start to something. Um, but I really, in this process, it's been... It started from fun right. and, interestingly enough, from real truth because everybody is being so honest mm. and there is a security in the room that allows you to tell your stories and, and not be afraid to or ashamed of them, you know. And they're quite interesting, mm. everybody's <laughs> stories, you know, they're fascinating. Mm. Yeah, and the term uh, you are enough gets batted around a lot, but I think in a pappy show environment, rehearsal or workshop, it, you, you really feel that. Because even like we do that, like we have the set structure of like this is going to get in the show, but we have like a thing called a check in at the start of every rehearsal or workshop, and it's usually like a big question or a few big questions, and you think, ah, oh, I'm just talking about something that happened in my life, and then like Kane or Sam or like Eddie will be like, ah, that thing that we mentioned in the check in, is now in the show, or like even like there was a moment when we were developing care, where it was just like I think it was Sam who'd lost an earring. And it was just like, ah, this is not this part is of the show at all. <laughs> yeah. This is not us rehearsing. This is just us being in an environment which is part of the show. And yeah, moments like that do prop up in all three shows. So mm. I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah. I think it was really important that uh, it's so rare when I'm in a rehearsal room that I feel like the expert. I always have to go away and do so much research to really go, oh God, this angle of politics, I'm not sure I quite know enough about it. Let me go and do loads of extra work. So it was important to have the people in the room feel as though they are absolute expert and they can all, every in boys, everybody is an expert in the room at yeah, being a man. Yeah. Or in girls, their lived experience of being a woman is so valid research and the same with care it's like what are this what are all of our interactions with the nhs at the minute right um, when have you been why did you go and it's crazy that you ask any person tell me your nhs story or tell me a hospital story They've every got single person yeah. has one and yeah. they have an, an opinion on what the quality of the care they received was right um, and that's well, really wanted, been the foundation i wanted to that. ask you that because obviously as you said like everyone is an expert on either boys or girls or whatever, you know, there's going to be a valid experience that you've lived, but care kind of tackles the NHS, mm. which is such a big topic right now. Yeah. And there are a lot of shows that have tried to tackle that topic. Mm. And it's obviously very pertinent on everyone's minds. I just wondered, you know, did you actually go and do other research or was it very much from the point of, yeah, just your experience with the system? It How much research outside of that? had to be involved it's been a mix of both it's been um we really wanted to focus in on um the experience of nurses the experience of porters of receptionists of cleaners because i feel like the voice that we hear so often is of surgeons or consultants or doctors and the one thing that we can always say that they really have a skill set in is the quality of care that they offer um, so we approached it through how do we see care um, and we've met with people who have been patients. I think we've all been visitors in hospitals. And then we've looked at the professionals who work there. And all you have to do in a weird way is just scratch at the surface and everybody goes, oh, yeah, my mum's a cleaner or my aunt works in a hospital. Or, like, for instance, all of my um, my maternal side of the family work in the NHS. Wow. So I've always grown up being around the hospitals. 
um, and been around, well, Birmingham City Hospitals and all of those that reach out there. Um, and we got a group of people together who have similar experiences. Right. Um, and that formed the foundation. But throughout that, we've been having people come into rehearsals and to talk with us um, about what it is to care. But I think they always arrive or when, when we've start when I've interviewed people and asked them, they always think that we're coming for like... Um, the jargon or the like the real medical <laughs> yeah. stories and we're like we just want to hear about how you care for people yeah um, and I think that surprises them that we that's the story that we really don't hear that often right of the quality of care that we get and how they're not only caring for us but for everyone and I was amazed at the Olympics in 2012 that demonstration of Great Ormond Street Hospital bouncing oh, right, on the yeah. beds it was so joyful and I was like I'm not hearing stories like that so then we were like, let's make one. Mm. Yeah, that's and, and actually we hear so much just now, you know, the where the NHS is and, and the worries and concerns of where it's going, but actually we don't celebrate or we don't um appreciate how amazing this thing mm. is that we have. Um, you know, we've been reading the the manifesto of the of when it very first started the NHS, um, and it says on it something along the lines of, um, we're not a charity, but this is um, a service that everybody um, can have. Uh, and yeah, we just don't appreciate how amazing this thing is that we have, and um, actually how much joy and celebration is in the hospitals and is, is in the service. Yeah, and I also couldn't quite, like, so my mum and her family work in, in the hospital and yet so much of the rhetoric we see about hospitals I don't think she can understand yeah. and I was like this is a service that was built for everyone to access right. and then actually the way that we hear it talked about you're like what does that mean yeah. what so we cut in what what's going on it's always from a very detached point of yeah. view you know it's not yeah. on tv it's a politician speaking yeah using complex terminology that right. you're like I don't even know what that means such yeah yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So we were like, let's make a piece that I was like, if my mum can come and fully get it, as <laughs> like we've succeeded. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, kind of about the process more widely. Aaron, you've been involved with boys for a little while. You know, that show, you've now taken it to a couple of different venues. How do you think it's changed over time? So we're very fortunate to have, we started off with a group of boys and then we can change casts that obviously brings something different to the room. Yeah, because everybody's lived experience affects the work. So if it's like, ah, this person's now coming into the fold, how does that then change the process? But I just think the way the way we work and live and every day will always change. So if we the boys tomorrow will be different to the way we did it next week, to the different the way it will be different next year. I just think because we, it is the lived experience of everybody in that room, we're yeah. different every day, so I think that difference plays a part on stage. Yeah, it's really interesting. I would love to see the show again now, mm. like a year on, and just see what's changed. I know you guys also did some development in Iceland. Can you tell me a bit about that experience and how it came about? Yeah, um, so we've been out twice now to Iceland. Mm. Feels like a, our second home <laughs> um yeah so we went out uh last december um and that was the first development stage of girls and um, we took a team of about eight out there with us um and it's incredible we've got uh 
this relationship with, um, it's called the freezer, um, and it literally used to be a fish freezer. Um, yeah, so you can imagine it's huge, this massive rehearsal space in the middle of nowhere um, that feels like you're a bit on the moon. Um, so it's really, really incredible just to um, get out of London and remove yourself from any distractions here um, and just really live in the work. Um, yeah, totally. I, I'm kind of curious though, like, did you, I mean, I'm kind of asking you this question because I know a lot of the people who will be listening to this might be wanting to make their own work mm. and develop it. They mm. might be wanting to form a company or interested to know um, what they can do, not just as performers, but as wannabe directors and writers and whatever else. How do you actually go about getting that opportunity? What does that look like, that process? Um, I, oh, I think just reaching out and finding the resources that are there, that are next to you. I don't know yeah. if you'd agree, I fully Kay. agree with that. I'd say that So when I, I went to a drama school and um, so many of my peers were all about really trying to climb the ladder and impress the people who were at the top. And I was just like, I just want to get along with the people in the room. like. And actually, it's all of my peer group who are now killing it. They're doing amazing. And they're bringing us with them. Right. Um, so we, we've got this relationship with the freezer because my friend who I studied with, who was in my class at Rose Bruford, is Icelandic and runs that theatre now. Oh, incredible. And he was like, come over. We could put you up for a residency. Why don't you come and join? But also, I'd just say that that's what it's been about since I've left. I don't think I've ever got a job from applying for it. I send my CV in <laughs> and I just don't get it. But it's always through recommendations, through a friend of a friend, bringing you in. And I do the same. So I decided to try and make a company which surrounds me with all of my friends. Yeah. And we do keep taking mm. new people and making new friends and bringing them into this fold. But there's a trust that's there. And there is a sort of, we have murky relationships in theatre that are um, personal and professional. And, it, and the joy is at times when you can bring those two worlds to collide together um so i'd say don't forget the people who are your biggest like your number one fans already yeah sometimes absolutely. we're trying so hard to impress the people who don't even know us yeah and actually we ha we've got people who are knocking on the door who have their thumbs up who think you're amazing already we should surround ourselves with some of them totally i think as an actor one thing we hear a lot from our members in particular is that it's easy to feel like you're not in control of your mm. destiny you're waiting for that other person to discover you and give you a job um so i think that ethos is really important mm. that way of thinking about it is really important mm. getting stuck in and using the people around you yeah. and the way you guys collaborate i think is really distinct and mm. unique um i have seen you do a workshop um, with us kane <laughs> where you talked about how to facilitate workshops mm. so you obviously find a lot of people through workshops mm. Um, and one thing that stuck out to me with that was this kind of the safety aspect. What would you guys say about that? I mean, is that normally the kind of thing that gets prioritized when you're making theater? How does that come about that you create a safe space in which to play? It's so variable depending on who you're working with and, and how you're feeling and what, and what sort of script it is, if there is a script or if it's unscripted. If there's a safety in the room, it's really nice, you and you. You're sort of chameleon-like, you know. You change colour with every moment, mm. uh, which is really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I. I think every job, every piece of work is different. There's no, You can't be prescriptive. You can't say this. 
works that way because of this, that or the other. It's also about personalities and work and moulding together. And why I think Puppet Show work and the company works so well is that for some reason, Kane has managed to get this wonderful bowl and put really good people in the mix, you know. And um, it's good, though, and it really is joyful because it is a... Because everybody's got their own strengths as well, which is another thing. I mean, some people are not as far ahead in some things as other people, and and the mix works really well. Mm. Mm. I think as well, though, some some processes are really... um, all about the product and um, all about we need to have this this finished play and we need to kind of get ploughing on through the script or ploughing on making whereas actually I think for us our our first thing is how can we build a safe a safe space and that people um, are really happy to share their lived experience um, and are really comfortable in playing the games um, and getting along with each other, mm. um, which I think is just really easily forgotten about in a lot of other processes or, or or in making, that actually that's kind of rule number one. If you have a safe space, then people will be vulnerable. Yeah, they totally. will um, be brave. They will be bold. They will have fun because they feel safe. I think as well... Um, in order, in order to create a safe space in the Pappy Show specifically, there's there's really not much of a hierarchy within the room at all. Um, it feels quite flat in terms of hi- hierarchical structure. So, kind of anyone really has the opportunity to make suggestions or to lead things, and as well, in fact, and um, which again is kind of slightly unorthodox, I think, in terms of most rehearsal rooms. So, you know, in the ones that I've worked in, in in, in boys and care. Um, everyone is is able to contribute but also kind of pick each other up on stuff and 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 kind of work as one without judgment as much as possible really but um, also with a sort of respect for each other's yeah, work of course, which is yeah. i love that which know? is what it's built on yeah yes. it's it's not this thing of right i'm the director i'm the assistant director okay. i'm telling you what to do and you're you're going to listen and Unfortunately, whether you like it or not, that's what we're doing. It's kind of not not really that that thing at all. There is really an opportunity for, say, performer to come back and say, "Hold on, why do we have to say this? I'm not sure I agree with this." Which has happened. Like, I'm like, why, why are we doing this bit here? And then we talk about it, and we go, "Actually, yeah, you're right." Or you go, or or maybe that person is then persuaded and convinced that that's you know this is a good thing to be doing. Or so there's a real kind of dialogue and discussion, but. I admit to create that it is difficult. It, it can be quite hard for, to create that in a room, but I guess in the it kind of links back in, into the fact that Kane likes to bring in friends, and that's kind of how he's formed this company. Um, in that everyone kind of has this initial friendship and, and gets on really well. So you kind of feel that you can be quite open and vulnerable and honest with with your opinions and your feelings about about the work. So it kind of goes hand in hand, really. And also there's, there's a thing of doing things together. So it's not a lot of processes in a lot of rooms. It's like, all right, cool, you're the actors, so you're going to do this, and we're the, the creative team, so we're going to be over here. Whereas for Papi Show, we all warm up together. We all play games together. And no matter if you're director, assistant director, actor, if you're stage a manager friend, yeah, well. stage manager, if you're a friend of the Papi Show that just come, wants to come and like see the work and visit, you're like thrown into the work and thrown <laughs> into the check-in. So I think... 
yeah, I've never been in the space where like you have somebody just come in and be like, ah, like we're gonna stop work for two seconds now and just welcome this person into the space. And, right. like, and a lot of, like, I've never been in a room which just feels so welcome. Yeah. yeah, it kind of, yeah, from everything you're saying, it sounds like a little idol bubble <laughs> of like happy theater yes. making. <laughs> but I kind of want to ask you guys, you know, obviously, yeah, a lot of performers are going to be listening to this and maybe they aren't in a happy ideal mm. bubble of theater making just now. Um, do you have any advice that you would give them in terms of just navigating what's out there? I guess some of our work always goes about looking to yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, we have quite a therapeutic approach to, to making. So we always, I, every interaction you have, it's half me and it's half you. And I have to own my half of it. So before I'm ever going to stop blaming, I'm always going to look at what am I doing that is causing this difficulty? And then, and this is what we have to do regularly is we have to have the difficult conversations and we have to talk about our feelings and we have to say I don't know if you meant this but I received it in this way and it kind of hurt me today and I didn't feel like I was able to to fully be myself and can we can we rumble on this and can we talk it through and and hope that tomorrow we could have an easier day Um, but too often we often skim over those difficult conversations and things lie dormant and then a week later you've got a toxic room where nobody's really speaking so it's about for us really identifying that we all have a responsibility to make this room the best it can it's not my job as the director it's all of us and if we can all hold on to that then we're all responsible for for fixing it when it goes sideways mm-hmm. i think it's really easy as well um as a performer to get stuck in the headspace of um oh i've not heard from my agent or uh, oh, I've had however many auditions this year and not got any and you know it then really feels like you're banging your head against a wall but um, and this sounds really uh, wanky you're enough like you've got all the tools within you to um, try and write a play or um, go and do a dance class or try singing or um, forget about any judgment you've heard on your on you or on your tools like um we've been doing some free writing in the room recently and one of the performance performers said they'd really enjoyed it because they didn't think they were good at writing and actually it's like yeah we could get so easily caught up in you know as i said the the auditions or agent or any of that but actually get a pen and a bit of paper and just sit and write or draw or we're all creatives, that's why we're in this. Um, the work is the most yeah. important, isn't it? And and that kind of takes you through, and it really does, uh, commitment to the work that's going mm. on. And that's the other thing about our rehearsals at the moment. Everybody is working so hard. Although it's huge fun and everything, everybody is working. Mm. I mean, last night we finished at something like quarter past ten, having done an evening, but we hadn't stopped. We stopped for a cup of tea, but that was just 15 seconds. And then we were all back because everybody was involved. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, so I think if people are committed and 100% committed, they get you get over any other problems mm. and you just give. Yeah. And then you always get it back. Yeah, I want to ask you not to take away from this loveliness, but just to kind of come back to reality for a second. We've had a lot of people asking us lately about how you navigate the fact that at some point you got to get paid. 
<laughs> and at some point you've got to get stuff done. Mm. Um, it's really hard for an actor. And I, mm. I am not an actor myself. I am a writer. But when I see how actors are, I think, oh, my God, it's such a hard job. You know, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be tough as steel at the same time. Um, you know, you've got to somehow be ultra flexible in your schedule mm. and yet also make a living. How mm. do you guys navigate that? <laughs> do you have a good answer if you don't it's cool but <laughs> it's really challenging I think personally I teach at universities so um, that's kind of what the other half of my job is um, and I work as a movement director on shows so when I'm not doing puppy show stuff I'm either facilitating or I'm doing that work um, and some I made a decision at the start of last year that I would take an assistant with me on every job I do and I would subsidize I would pay them from my wages otherwise so that it was a big thing in boys to try and get men of color in leadership roles and for them to be seen so I was like I'm gonna actively make that choice Uh, and we've committed to doing that for the full year so so in a way we were like we need to start investing in the people who've invested in us and this is one way of them getting seen not only in our company but in other establishments and companies and institutions um, we received our Arts Council funding today, Ooh, which yes. today, so that, so that is like the best news that everybody on this project like 100% oh, knows that they're getting, their, they're getting paid for this. But it is such a challenge and there's not enough money out there. For the Pappy Show, we put in a model that is we will run workshops in movement training that is very cheap, um, but that helps subsidise our shows so that now we can start to pay the actors from the mon- from the the money that our workshops bring in. Yeah. I would say as well like um uh as as actors or as performers um like it's hardcore it really is. You know as you said Christina one minute you're um carrying out dinner plates <laughs> and the next minute um you're the waiter in the scene or yeah. um so I think it's about really finding what else are you good at? What what else are what else are your skills? Um, I went to drama school and do you know and they bang on the whole time about um, I keep saying agents or auditions or doing this, but actually what they don't teach you is is about what's your other job going to be um, and what makes you happy because for a good chunk of the year you're you're most probably going to be out of work. Um, so, like, are you really into fitness and could you be maybe a personal trainer or um, do you enjoy working with young people? Could you um, facilitate workshops or do you quite enjoy writing, directing, um, a painter and decorator? Like, what what's your skills? Um, yeah, that's what I would say in a way. I would only really be able to echo that, to be honest, and just say, yeah, lean into whatever else you're good at and... De- it doesn't have to be related to performing at mm-hmm. all. And actually, sometimes it's quite healthy not to. Personally, I think that anyway. Um, just because, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're constantly trying to make something happen, make it happen, whatever it is, if, 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 if you're wanting to be a performer, and ev- all your energy is invested in that, then it'll just consume you and you kind of don't get headspace from it. And, and, and then anything that doesn't happen or doesn't pay off will just seem that much more of a... Of a of of a loss if if you're totally invested in it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Personally, I try and lean into all the other stuff that I'm good at, which is totally not related to to performing. And and uh, yeah, try and find some enjoyment in that. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's not to go off 
off on a bit of a tangent, but I think you meet so many actors when it's like, oh, like, you can tell by the look on their face whether, whether they've had a good week of auditions or not. And again, like speaking from personal experience, I was in that sort of cycle. And I was like, what are you doing, Aaron? And then I just, I found a hobby which was completely that like, separate from acting. So like to echo what Eddie said, mm-hmm. and it might not be necessarily employment, but something that is not acting, I think is so healthy for like your mind. I think, yeah, find something you can be like, okay, cool. It's not what I want to be doing in the ideal, but at least I can go home and pat myself on the back and say, I did all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't be ashamed by mm. that either. Yeah. Like, don't be ashamed if you're a painter and decorator yeah. in the day and learning your lines at night. Like, how amazing is yeah. that? You're a painter and decorator in the day and you get to be an actor at night. Like, I fully um, agree. Yeah. And I don't even think it's about what you're good at. I think it's about where are you getting your joy from? Mm. Yeah. And like, yeah. And actually, I think trying to pursue joy is a really radical decision for your life in the current climate that we're in so like it's not about being like um the lead in this or it's what makes you happy and do that do more of that because you will have a much richer fuller life surrounded by people who mean something to you than just pursuing success success can only get you so far but joy can carry you for your whole life I mean, I started my career when I was 15, and I'm incredibly old. <laughs> I really am. And I have worked a lot, and I'm really, really, really privileged. And when I started, of course, work was much... There was a lot more work, huge amount. But I always made the decision I was going to marry and have a family, and I have um, I have children, I have grandchildren. I, you, you know, and I still work. I work a lot. But it's mostly people that know you, you go forward with, them and you have good years and you have bad years but you you have to be resilient you have to be like a bouncing ball and uh, certainly I there was a period that I was teaching quite a bit in drama schools and which was very good because they always let you go to do work when it came up um, which was also joyful but I think the name of the game is resilience and commitment and the plays the thing as Shakespeare said you know I mean it's important if it's important to you it's important to everyone yeah did you take time away when you had your children no (laughs) dreadful dreadful I I had my well I I, when I got pregnant with my daughter I didn't start to show till I was about five months and I was in a run and then I was so lucky because I got a 26 part radio series playing an Indian little boy so I was doing this little boy and who was very naughty little Indian boy and I was absolutely huge knitting there, you know. So, and then, uh, then when my after my daughter was born, I was back after six weeks. Wow! But I've got this kind of um, hunger, you know. Yeah. I think is the only word I can say. But you know, family is really important. If there was anything important, I was there. You know, I wasn't. It was nothing. And I have a good partner who accepts all that. Um, if you want to do it, you do it, don't you? Yes. Really. Um, you know the wonderful thing about acting is that you can really do it with any life experience and any kind of thing that you're bringing to it you're bringing to it which is really fabulous which kind of I guess neatly brings us to my next question which is about the diversity aspect of what you do you know and with girls you mentioned Kane before you know you try to bring in a lot bigger range of kinds of people next to each other why is that an important part of the Pappy show um I guess it's 
from the experience I've had. It's like, oh, my, when I look around my friendship group, they look a lot more like London. And I go, why am I not seeing that on stages? Or why am I not seeing it in film or in TV? And I'm going, but I see it in real life, but I'm not seeing it anywhere else. So it was, I think, and maybe it's because I grew up in my dad's um, Caribbean and my mum's white. So I was always in this kind of working myself out, which side do I belong to? Kind of these big identity questions. And that made me surround myself with difference, people of difference. Um, And I think to be representative of the place that you live is a responsibility for us as artists. And the only control I can have is to do it in the company that I run. So I was like, I'm going to do it here first and hope that it starts to traject out to all the other companies that I work for. Yeah, totally. If you could give someone who wants to start their own company, like your number one bit of advice, is it find the right people Mm. or what is it? Yeah, I'd say find the right people. Surround yourself with the people who lift you and who make you feel like you're at your best. Um, And that, for me, that will make the environment that the work can grow its best. Well, you're back at the vaults. What is it about the vault festival that you think is such a good place to do your work, to perform your work? It's a venue that um, feels open to bringing in new audiences. Um, It fully reaches out to people who would potentially never go to a theatre. Uh, and that really excites me because I think there's such a power in what we can learn from theatre. And yet, if it's only for one specific type of audience, I don't know what the point in making the work is for. So we want to make work that reaches those audiences. And this is an easy way for us to do that. And also, they make their programming so accessible. They really open an application that makes it easy for you to submit your idea and they read them all and then they they come back to you. So there's not really a festival that's quite like it, I think, in London at least, that that brings in such diverse artists and has a commitment to wanting to do that in um, non-theatre spaces. Yeah, I'd say it's just like the Edinburgh Fringe, but not as... um, huge and and mad and no but it is like this little kind of hidden hub that feels so electric when you go in like and and that's because there's just such a diverse audience in there and they're not all theater goers and theater makers um but yeah they really have come from here there and everywhere it seems a lot more affordable than the fringe as well (laughs) yeah just quietly yeah yeah Um, also um in terms of it being a platform as well like we know from first-hand experience how good it is for that because with it being kind of central london right in the heart of it um from the show last year you know we got the bush and the lyric to come along and then they really supported us for the rest of the year um so it can be a great platform for both your show and your company as well and it's really kind of respected as like a place for exciting new shows not just theatre but you know cabaret comedy all of it is kind of a real hub of 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 all of that stuff to be honest yeah that's a really good thing to mention i think i'm gonna let you guys go in a bit but i want to ask you and these are the kind of questions i like to ask everyone that i talk to who is inspiring you right now and what would you like to do next I'm inspired by this writer whose name's Casey Gerald. He's an American writer. He just handles conversations around race, diversity, sexuality, gender, 
really interestingly. And he grew up as um, as a gay black man in the American South. And I just I'm so fascinated by how um, he's the exact same age as me, and he's like a mini Obama, and I'm just wowed <laughs> by him all the time. Oh, so I'm reading amazing. his book at the moment. And next, I really want to make a piece about faith. Um, I really want to look at people of many different faiths and bringing them into a space and looking at how we start that conversation Um, because I think we hear too often of the differences and I just am so sure that there's some similarities there and I think the conversation is happening we're just not hearing about it enough so that's what I'd love to do next. I, I, We had had this conversation yesterday actually about who inspired us and uh, Grotowski, I've always, I always think Jersey Grotowski is brilliant, and I always have really, really extraordinary. And um, I'm, I'm doing a, my own show as well. Oh, that's exciting! <laughs> and I've got lots of bookings this year, so it's wonderful. Uh, it's called Florence Smith, Now and Then, and it's about a real woman who lived, who was born in the Boer War, and li- and was a cleaner at the Whittington Hospital, interestingly enough, um, and lived through the f- uh, First War, Second World War, abject poverty before. NHS, incredible, and you know, the salt of the earth you know, (laughs) wonderful, and very funny, Uh, and it's her real work it's all her, from her heart you know, real stuff, because it was recorded uh, while she was alive and um, yeah, we've done it in quite a few places and it's gone very well and we've got lots of bookings, so that's what I'm doing alongside girls. Sounds fabulous All I would say in terms of uh, inspiring, and this does sound wanky uh, but just the people in the room, really, um, and the, the uh, we've touched on it earlier, but how open and vulnerable everyone is in the room. Um, and actually, being an assistant director on Boys and kind of watching people get up there and being very vulnerable and going, can you just try that again? Can you just say that story and blah, 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 and thinking, oh, this, this is easy. And then getting into being a performer in care and having to actually do it myself and get yeah. up there and be vulnerable. Yeah and say stories like yesterday I was just in floods of tears and then I kind of realized yeah this is really hard so I would say that ev- that everyone in the room is just really inspiring at the moment to be mm. honest for- and, then, and then in terms of um what's next for girls and care well for boys girls and care um so boys and girls is going to the north wall in Oxford um we were really lucky to be selected as one of their associate companies um, so they're having us um, at the beginning of March and then um, Girls is going to be a part of the incoming festival um, that the New Diorama Theatre runs. So it's going to be on at the New Diorama and then up at home in Manchester. Um, and then Girls is also going to the Latitude Festival in July. Um, and Care's been booked for a festival in September at home in Manchester as well. Um, so it's really exciting. Feels yeah, we're like, taking boys yes. to Brighton Festival. And boys yeah. is going to Brighton. Right. But you can catch them all now. Yeah, so come. yes, that's right. <laughs> so that's a good note to end on. Where can people see you if they want to see you right now and get tickets? What should they do? So um, if they go onto the Vaults website, um, they can book on for all of the shows. Um, I recommend come and see them all. Um, uh, you can book on there. And we're on from the 13th to the 17th of February um, across various times. But if you want to catch the trilogy, that's um, on the Saturday, Saturday the 16th. You can see all three shows in the one day. 
Um, Amazing. So. Yeah, and we're coming up. We're coming back with our workshops. They're they're going to be up on our website. So go to www.thepappyshow.co.uk, um, and you can book to come and work with us on there. Um, they're cheap. They're affordable, and they're very silly and fun. Oh, fantastic! Thank you so much, guys, oh, for joining. Thank us. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Spotlight Podcast. If you've got any questions or anyone you'd like us to talk to in a future podcast, you can email us at questions at spotlight.com or let us know on Twitter at Spotlight UK.